Well, thanks for tuning in. This is Sunday Recap, the weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more recordings of our sermons and to find the rest of our podcast, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. I'm Joey Cologne. I'm Kendrick Spells. I'm Dave McMurray. I'm Chris Webster. I'm Jim Wilson. And I'm Eunice Cho. Yes. Hey, Eunice Thanks, is here. Y'all worked through that. I realized, I don't know if you saw me smirk, but as I was saying my thing, I was like, oh, I forgot to say the order of who says hello, and it's going to be rough. But it wasn't that rough. And Eunice added, and I'm Eunice Cho, which is the best thing for the last person to say. I like that. Well done. Good work. Well, we have Eunice with us this week. Eunice is uh, going to hang out with us on the podcast probably most weeks. We'll see if that works out. Uh, well, I guess if she's good enough, I guess we'll have to see, huh? She makes the tape. <laughs> thank you, thank you, but, uh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the videos. Uh, people were popping in and out, but I figured we would just go with it. It wasn't worth it to fight the demons. Figured we would just roll with it. It's a podcast anyway. And Chris was trying to hide his face. I saw him, so so we're good. But we are in, what, week five of our Daniel series this week. Mm-hmm. If you count mm-hmm. Daniel zero, which was in mm-hmm. Jeremiah, yeah. um, which is what to do when the world falls apart is your title of our Daniel series. Yes, uh, sir. And week four this week was Grace for the Proud, talking about three different graces for proud people what were the three graces for the proud dave the three graces were the grace of internal alarms the grace of spoken warnings and the grace of complete humiliation Mm, good graces good graces good graces um Mm. jim you want to give us a little bit of background the introduction type stuff what we talked about before what gets us to this week? Mm, interesting, because mm, Jim wasn't with we. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you were missing two weeks ago, weren't you? Oh, man. Uh, and Chris yeah. was gone, too. Kendrick, you want to give us some background? Kendrick, summarize the entire series, Kendrick. Go. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's a big wait. Uh, shoot, where are my notes? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Well, we started in Daniel Zero. Mm. <laughs> well, I just need a little bit leading us up to the sermon. Anybody? Mm. Eunice? Me? Dave? We'll make Dave do it. All right. All right. So what what are you looking for? Just what was last week? Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of context before we jump yeah, into yeah. this oh. sermon. Uh, so Daniel, we did, as Kendrick said, Daniel Zero was Jeremiah 29. This is how to live. Daniel 1 was the boys getting taken away to exile and beginning to live out the instructions of Jeremiah 29. And they, I think most notably, they didn't eat the king's food, right? So they kind of resisted even as they were getting educated in all the paganism. Daniel 2 was, was that the crazy dream? Was Daniel 2 the crazy dream? See, now I'm getting lost. Daniel 2 and 3, we had crazy dream and we had golden image. Yeah, so the image, it was confusing because there were similar images in both chapters. Chapter 2 was the crazy dream of the image, the idea that God's kingdom would conquer all the other kingdoms. And then chapter 3 was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being told to bow down to the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. They resisted. They were thrown into a fiery furnace, but God saved them. And then that leads us to chapter 4, where... 
Nebuchadnezzar is humbled for his pride. So in chapter four, Daniel's back in town. Mm-hmm. I just looked at your notes for the first time, and you say, Proud Nebu. <laughs> Proud Nebu. <laughs> That's his nickname, Nebu. You have short for Nebuchadnezzar, N-E-B-U, but when it's written like that, it's got to be pronounced Nebu. Nebu. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Well, you start your introduction talking about another, uh, another, a different pers- proud person, I guess, mm-hmm. from the New mm-hmm. Testament. Yeah. Who remembers who that was? It was Saul. The prodigals? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that was your that was your that was your application later. point yeah. in one of yeah. the last later points. On, might, be, might be, might be, might <laughs> be. <laughs> Just kidding, right. it's Saul. Job <laughs> Kendrick. <laughs> Remember what happened to Saul Kendrick? Tell us what happened to Saul. Yeah, Saul was a, a very proud man. Um, you said he was proud of his ethnic purity. Mm. He was proud of his man. I was going to try to quote you word for word, but I can't. Mm. Uh, he's just very proud man, um, persecuting God's church. Um, God ended up humbling him, uh, blinding him, knocking him to his feet, mm-hmm. uh, or knocking him to the ground mm-hmm. rather. And uh, yeah, that's a pretty short story. Saw ended up becoming uh, Paul and the apostles. Uh, mm-hmm. end up working for Jesus, spreading the mm-hmm. gospel. But um, your emphasis on that was um, grace, God's grace humiliating Saul mm-hmm. uh, and his proudness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting and good connection, one that, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't have immediately jumped to on my own, the story mm-hmm. of Nebuchadnezzar, who was this ruler and all kinds of... Mm-hmm. I don't know, all kinds of proud, I guess. I don't know the right word I'm thinking of. But, Mm -hmm. and then, I mean, I guess that's the part of the story we don't get a lot or remember a lot, probably, Mm -hmm. is him like actually turning to God. That Mm -hmm. part of Nebuchadnezzar's story. We always hear, you know, like, oh, he was the one who built the golden thing and made everybody about him. And he was Mm -hmm. a bad, bad man and blah, blah, blah. But we don't often hear the story to conclusion. At Mm -hmm. least I, I, I don't know. I don't make that connection instantly when I think of proud man yeah. who turns to God. <laughs> well, and it's fascinating. We don't really get, and I tried to make a point of this toward the end of the sermon. We don't really get a lot about all his, uh, you know, godly reforms of Babylon. <laughs> like we don't really get any information like that. Mm. We just get sure. this. This is it. This is, this is the the peak of the positive. He's a follower of God. And then he kind of disappears, you know, mm. it's interesting. Uh, in your introduction, I thought one of the things you talked about that was really helpful is that when we believe that God is absolutely in charge, mm. uh, it's easier for us to accept that his, his absolutely being in charge is a form of grace to us. Mm-hmm. It gives us comfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that, that can be scary. You know, people resist that. And of course, there's philosophical questions of like how he does that and you know, Christian apologists like to debate the details of how meticulously God controls all things, et cetera. But uh, the scripture usually just comforts us with, no, he's in charge. You know, <laughs> that's usually the scripture's not usually going into all those little in the weeds debates that we go into. Scripture's like, God's in charge, and that's good. We, we need him to be in charge because we mm-hmm. mess things up. So. Mm-hmm. 
Well, with that said, let's uh, talk about God's grace for the proud. Then your first main point was the grace of internal alarms. Um, what do you mean when you say internal alarms, David? Mm. Well, it's funny you should ask, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to weave together the uh, the Romans 1 clarity that we all know the truth and we suppress it. Mm-hmm. And so, take that and then you add the reality that dreams are, are basically a manifestation of our subconscious. I think... I clarified this better in the evening than I did in the morning. The morning, I, sh- I should have also said, and this dream was, you know, clearly a dream that God gave him, but I don't think he was working apart from Nebuchadnezzar's subconscious completely. Uh, dreams are still, you know, hardwired into our subconscious. So, dreams are kind of like stuff that's going on in our head. And I was just trying to argue that Nebuchadnezzar, like all of us, Romans 1 says, know the truth. You can use the word subconscious mind you can use the word like intuition uh you can use romans just says knowledge you know we just know we know that god's there we see creation we know he's there so um i was just trying to say man that we have these internal alarms we have these night sweats we have this anxiety we have these these bells ringing in our head like something's wrong i'm broken this is not right i shouldn't sin against god i shouldn't rebel against you know so we have these alarms and romans one says we suppress them and i was i was making the case that it's always better not to suppress them, but that's what we see Nebuchadnezzar doing. And so that's actually a grace that God gives us. He gives us this internal witness is the way some people describe it. Um, he's written the law in our hearts, it, it argues later on in Romans. So a lot of different ways to say that. But I thought the dream was a manifestation of that. And we live that out in other ways, you know, just our own thoughts and worries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Throughout this, uh, I was just reflecting on how long it can take for us to recognize that there is something wrong that we won't deal with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's we take Nebuchadnezzar's story and think, oh, this he got to be to this point, and suddenly he got this dream. Mm-hmm. But it may not be a dream for us. It may mm-hmm. just be this nagging thing that causes us to relate to people a certain way or Mm. to relate to God in a certain way and Mm -hmm. it takes us years to recognize that's not right there's Mm. something messed up here well how Mm -hmm. did I get here yeah Uh, yeah Yeah. I guess I'm wondering real quick is this internal alarm only for the proud or is it hmm you know because you say Mm -hmm. this is a sermon about proud people and it's the grace of eternal internal alarms yeah is that only for the sin of pride? You kind of later, yeah. I guess, said pride is the root of all sin almost, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I, I think pride, yeah, pride, the way I see it is pride is like a fundamental, I want to be God, sin. And so the C.S. Lewis quote was to try to knit that together a little bit. You know, Lewis is saying pride is basically us trying to run our lives without God, trying to be God. Mm-hmm. That's the sin of Adam and Eve, saying, I want the stuff. I don't want you. I want to decide what's right and wrong. Um, so, yeah, so I would say it's it's fundamental to the human problem. And so if we know Christ, at a fundamental les, uh, level, our identity has changed from the proud rebel or the proud Pharisee to the humble 
child of God, right? So that's what it means to be a Christian. But Christians still drift back to pride. You know, we still have to have like ongoing repentance and recognize, oh, that that's not right. I need to stop that. You know, so so I think it applies to those that don't know God at all and are and are proud. You know, to the nth degree, Nebuchadnezzar is the example of you know great pride, overweening pride, hubris. But I think it also applies to just good Christian person trying to trying to be humble, trying to live their life. You know, we we still can have these internal alarms like, oh no, something's not right. Like Jim was saying, you know, you can live live years and realize, oh, I've always acted in this weird way, and you know what? That's like a coping mechanism that's sinful, and I need to repent from that. And you know, mm-hmm. here I am. 47 and i'm just realizing wow that's not that's pride that's not humility i need to change that you know um so i guess i was trying to push everybody towards towards uh hearing that internal alarm Mm. and would you say the same thing applies to just overly anxious people or you know people who tend Mm -hmm. to (laughs) or is this a different type of internal alarm i guess that's what i'm trying to like maybe mm. to frame Joey's question a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you got the proud person who thinks they can do it all on their own. Mm-hmm. And then you have the overly anxious person who thinks they can do nothing ever. And hears alarms all the time about everything. Yeah. <laughs> and well, could I, they over listen to those alarms? Yeah, I mean, what? I do yeah. think, and I didn't really go into this in this sermon, but we kind of went into it when we talked about the Tim Keller book, the, the self-forgetfulness stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think the insecure person that's worried all the time is that's just pride. That's just inverted pride. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a, you're afraid of losing control, right? Yeah. You're afraid I can't control the situation, so I'm mm-hmm. anxious about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an anxiety. Uh, and so you kind of, and, and yeah, and I, I tried to go there a little bit where I was like, some of you are going to hear this and you're going to immediately think of the obviously proud person over there (laughs) and I was like try to think about yourself try to think about your own heart so when I'm anxious and worried and I'm saying so you know I do this I can't do it it's all going to go wrong that's actually a pride of thinking I should be able to do it Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's a it's an over focus on self you know it's a Mm -hmm. it's a broken like I think I'm awesome and should be able to do this, and I can't. So I'm mad because I'm so awesome I shouldn't be this bad. You know what I mean? Like it's it's this weird circular game we play in our own head where we tell ourselves we're terrible. And uh, yeah, anyway, I'm not sure. I don't know if anybody has anything to add to that. I'm I'm so thoroughly convinced it's gotten hard for me to even explain it anymore. <laughs> uh, but yes, I think insecure people and anxious people are proud people. Yeah, I think. Well, I think for um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the book, the freedom of self forgetfulness by mm-hmm. Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. I think like the way that he put it was like, um, like saying that it's like you being super anxious or like, uh, or being like super focused on your insecurities is a form of pride. Saying that like your problems are too big for God, and like mm-hmm. His sacrifice on the cross was not enough to cover like yeah. your insecurities and your anxieties mm, and like that yeah. was a really clear way that i like understood that like mm-hmm. oh okay, yeah that's right like yeah i forgot <laughs> i'm so powerful in my badness that god can't fix or handle me kind of mm. right mm-hmm. but i think both of the temptations are the same to to mm-hmm. to do a uh sorry <laughs> is it time to take out the, the noises in my office yes <laughs> christmas, christmas carols. Uh, 
Christmas carols. Well, the temptation is the same as to just devolve into a human solution. Mm. Um, and so I think for the anxious person, it's to say, I'm, se- I'm seeing all these warnings, so therefore I'm going to shrivel back into myself and protect myself and not risk anything and, mm. um, and never, you know, mm-hmm. never, like still, again, it, the end is me instead of taking it to God. And even yeah. in pride, I think that's, a, that's kind of a fascinating thing we do as well is mm-hmm. to try to, um, try to sort of approach God in a prideful way or like, okay, so I have these warning signs, so I, I'm going to become even more holy and I'm going to check mm-hmm. all the boxes, which is still not admitting my pride. It's like, okay, I'm going to stop outwardly acting prideful to try to convince myself I'm not, I was never prideful. And that's short circuiting the process. It's kind of a, um, I'm going to humanly show how not prideful I am by doing all the, these things to approach God. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm, sense, but mm-hmm. both are, are sort of a human solution and a me centered solution instead mm-hmm. of just, okay, can't do this. God, you have to. Mm-hmm. And your application was that, was like, mm-hmm. stop what you're doing, turn and trust in God, right? Um, mm-hmm. Instead of mm-hmm. yourself. And mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was your first point or your second point. I haven't scrolled down to your second point yet, but you talked about the opposite was Nebuchadnezzar avoiding it, right? He was mm-hmm. trying to run from it. He was, you know, had mm-hmm. dreams that were obvious and yeah. he avoided them. Oh, yeah, that them. wasn't the first point. That yeah. wasn't the first point? Okay. So, he had, yeah. he had dreams that were obvious. He avoided them. And then mm-hmm. I guess this might be your second point is then he goes to try and find counselors that that would tell him what he wanted to hear. Is that second point or still first point? Uh, man, I forget because I, I, I that was off the cuff, so it's not in my notes. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere in there. Nothing yeah, nothing up counselor. my sleeve. Nothing up yes. my sleeve. <laughs> it was a counselor shopping, is what I described it as, as a pastor. And even as Christian friends, you see this, right? Like your Christian friends, you're friends with someone, and they're like. Oh, I'm doing this bad thing. I should stop. What do you think? And you're like, yeah, you should stop. So then they stop talking to you about it. And then they go talk to somebody else about it. <laughs> you're like, I'm doing yeah. this bad thing. I should stop, huh? Never yeah, had that happen stop. before. No, no, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just think, yeah, it just seemed like Nebuchadnezzar was kind of falling into that role. The Maybe that was point one. Because because all the scholars are like, this was a really obvious dream. Like maybe the mm-hmm. details at the, towards the end were a little confusing, but you got an angel saying... This great, powerful leader is going to be cut down for a season. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was pretty obviously about Nebuchadnezzar, especially with mm-hmm. the background of all the other stuff. So, I mean, it's weirder for us because we don't live in, you know, dream and vision world where this is common. But uh, <laughs> it was the stuff was pretty basic there. It was a humbling. It was a humbling dream. That part was obvious. You know, details might have been fuzzy. Mm. Yeah, I guess it makes me think about how oftentimes when people are struggling, they're like, uh, I don't know the right words, but people often think they have to wait until they've hit rock bottom to like mm. turn and trust. And yeah. so you're saying, don't mm. be like Nebuchadnezzar. Don't yeah. wait till don't you're wait. at rock bottom, mm-hmm. crawling mm-hmm. in the dirt naked with yeah. claws and, you know, yeah, yeah. bare hair. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when you have that, when you have that anxiety, just be like, God, help me, and go start changing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, deal with it. Don't don't ignore it. And most of us, we ignore it. I mean, it's, again, I say this is something Christians do as well. We just kind of stuff it, ignore it. Um, yeah, just yeah. stop it, right? Just stop it. Put them in a box. <laughs> 
That's a that's a helpful thing when when you've even laid out these sort of escalating graces, mm-hmm. <laughs> which are are co- continuously more serious. I think that's a lot of the conversations I've had, you know, with people suffering with addiction and things like that. Is mm-hmm. it is really helpful to know that that sin escalates and mm-hmm. to know that it's going to get worse. And mm-hmm. like Joey said, not to wait for it to get worse in your whole life to fall apart, but to say mm-hmm. almost, almost a, um, this, this conversation in your mind of, okay, if I don't stop now, it's going to be harder mm-hmm. later. It's going to be worse later. There's going to mm-hmm. be bigger consequences. And when you, when you can understand that, that helps you to, I think, to start to say, okay, I'm going to, I want to start now. I want to run while I can, you know, mm-hmm. I want to turn away, um, in this moment and recognize that instead of, instead of, like I said, waiting. But if you don't really realize that's the, that's the, always the pattern. It's always this pattern of bigger, harder. God's going to talk louder and give you, <laughs> give you harder and harder graces if to turn you around. Um, yeah, that, that's the thing you have to see is this, this pattern of sin always consumes more and more of you mm-hmm. if you let it keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the helpful things to deal with that is to, to have, truly confessed truly admit to somebody this is what i'm doing because mm-hmm. it it takes away the power of that sin and admit mm-hmm. it before god yeah uh, so that you are you know you're being open you are making mm-hmm. yourself vulnerable to somebody so that they can speak into your life uh, instead of because there's ways to confess stuff that you're not asking for any input you know you're just saying mm-hmm. yeah I'm not, that's a problem for me too you know yeah <laughs> but i'm not going to change but it you're kind of like keeping people at a distance while you're talking right. about it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, what's interesting is I, I, um, the second time I went back and listened to the sermon, mm-hmm. I, I sort of heard it from an angle of, um, not doing what these internal alarms sometimes, mm. um, push us to do. Mm. Um, and it's like the sin in that and the pride in that almost like mm. not obeying God. Mm. You know, uh, having this, having these things where I think I was like, oh man, I gave myself a pass because mm. I was like, okay, there are all these things that I should turn from and turn to God. Um, but then I often give myself a pass from things or that I think God's leading me to do. Um, mm. The good, so leaving think, undone yeah. the good. Yeah. So I mm. think I heard that around sort of the second time is, man, there's sin in that too. There's pride in that too. Maybe thinking you're too bad to where mm. God can't use you. Um, mm. Thinking, thinking too much of yourself. I'm in the way. What will people perceive? So many, also mm. so many sins on the other spectrum of that, that mm-hmm. we, we sort of sin against God in that way as well. Yeah. Very Jonah-esque. Yeah, yeah Jonah. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Or that kind of insecurity, the pride of insecurity, where you're like, "Oh, I'm not good enough to, I'm not good enough for God to use me." You're like, yeah. "Oh, God, God can use whoever He wants to. <laughs> God, God does that. He He takes care of that issue. Uses donkeys, right? He uses <laughs> right. donkeys. So that's not explicitly stated in this story, but mm-hmm. that that makes me think there's that other category, not just internal alarms, but internal uh, sort of pushes, inter- internal, mm. you know go do this you feel you know yeah like so it's not just these things you need to avoid that you feel internally mm-hmm. but these things that you need to run towards and, and do and go mm-hmm. go step out on mm-hmm. that you feel for sure mm-hmm. yeah that's good 
Nice. Well, if you avoid all of those, or in Nibu's case, (laughs) when he avoided all of those, he was given the grace of spoken warning. So we're no longer Mm -hmm. talking about our conscience, our internal Mm -hmm. alarms, not talking about uh, intuition anymore. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking Mm -hmm. about actual spoken words. So moving to special Mm -hmm. revelation being given. Mm -hmm. Want to talk about that? Yeah. Special, there's special revelation and general revelation. And I love Calvin's description of this. Calvin says, we see God and hear God talking to us out there in the world. You know, Romans 1, it's obvious. But then special revelation, the Bible are like glasses we put on to rightly read, you know, human psychology and the creation we see outside and, you know, the world that he's created that speaks about him that's full of his fingerprints. The glasses are... Special revelation, which is God's word, which helps us to interpret the world that he's put before us. Man, when you were talking about glasses, I was really hoping mm. you were going to talk about the first time when you put on glasses. Did you guys mm. experience this? The first time you put your glasses on mm. and you went outside and you're like, oh, leaves <gasps> on trees. Yes. Oh, like, <laughs> like the yes. detail and the, oh, I thought the you were going to go were there. the biggest thing for me. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can <laughs> still read signs without my glasses, but leaves. I now can't I can at night time, but... Yeah. I have I one still remember, good eye, so... I still, w- <laughs> I still remember when, it, when I first got my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> In third grade, we were driving home, and I cried because I looked outside, like, on our way home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I started crying, and my mom's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I have glasses, and I can see now. I didn't know that's what trees look like. Oh. And I'm from Alaska, where there are billions of trees. So many trees. <laughs> yeah, I oh, I love all of those as as metaphors for mm-hmm. uh, for life change and Jesus opening your eyes. I was that made me think of the whole all of those videos of people getting like cochlear implants or oh, like yeah, yeah. hearing sounds yeah. for the first time and yeah. uh, just like the shocking I didn't know you know holding mm-hmm. rustling paper and saying that makes a noise like I never yeah. even knew all uh, those are writing with the really... lead pencil and being like lead sounds different than a pen and uh, <laughs> yeah. or the blind glasses oh man my wife got new hearing aids a few years ago and she's been on hearing aids for a while but she got like much better ones and she was working in the garden and she heard this buzzing noise and she was like, what, what is, what is that noise? It was a bee. She hadn't heard a bee in like, you know, five or 10 years. She was oh, like, that's wow. amazing. You know, she can hear rustling water in a creek now. It was just little things like that. She couldn't hear for a long time. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So that's what the word of God is like. The spoken warnings <laughs> of God. It's like this breakthrough of clarity for us. Mm. Cool. Jim, did you kick out Donald? Yeah, he's, he's going home. Rebuke him strongly. <laughs> That's going to make no sense. Did you to tell anybody him, on the podcast? Uncover your ears. <laughs> listen to what I'm telling you. You're refusing to listen. Yes. Well, and that's the that's the beauty of God's word. I mm-hmm. think too. It makes me think of we're so used to um, sort of entropy and getting used to things, mm-hmm. and it dulling our senses. Or yeah. you know, if we eat something too long, we get sick of it. Um, but the word of God, you actually develop more and more taste for it. You become a connoisseur mm. of it. And so mm-hmm. that's an mm. interesting thing of like, the more you read it, the more you soak in it, the more you actually mm. see, 
taste the flavors or hear you know you mm. see see the beauty of it deeper and deeper and mm. what a what a testimony of its supernatural roots right of that mm-hmm. you don't just get s- sick of it <laughs> and just yeah. like oh i've learned it all now i'm done i'm tired of learning this thing but but god continually makes it fresh and new um I'd like to think that I could become a connoisseur of Bluebell and not get sick of it, but <laughs> <laughs> something. But, something. but all, all analogies yeah. fall apart at some point, right? <laughs> this one is yeah, yeah. The, the transcendence of ice cream might. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's good. Anything about the second point? <laughs> um, man, yeah, I, I, I think the big application was was go find a Daniel. You know, if you're Nebuchadnezzar and you're not wanting to deal with the truth, find friends that'll speak the truth to you. And then mm. the flip side of that, when I did the preach ahead, the the guys listening to it were like, you know what? You should also be the Daniel, you know, be the person that speaks the truth as well. And so I think those were good. As we think about being listeners of God's word, you know, step one is just read and listen to God's word. But a part of that is bring people around you that will speak it, you know, be that will be vessels and agents of speaking the truth to you. Yeah, one thing I really liked was that he was inviting Nebuchadnezzar to hear that there is a possibility of repentance. Yeah. And yeah. that's what God God's word invites us to all the time. There's mm-hmm. there's a God who loves you and cares for you and you mm-hmm. can receive the gift he gives you, the ability to repent and be mm-hmm in that relationship the way you need to be instead of trying to, you know, force God to accept you because I'm so good. I, mm. Yeah. Oh, and mm. even, even a God who accepts you for somebody who made a giant idol of himself and forced people to worship it <laughs> and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. said, I will repent and still didn't like. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. I think there's, mm. I like, I love listen, looking at it through the lens of, God's interaction to in in this repentance process of our awareness of God's interaction with us. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when you tell the story, knowing the end, we, we see, okay, God is, God is speaking to him. He is, you know, he, he's giving him a dream. Then he's speaking to him. Then he's, he's actually completely diving into this thing. I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but the mm-hmm. third point, he's actually, supernaturally causing this crazy thing to happen to mm-hmm. to him and um I, I think there's almost this strangeness of like like joe you mentioned a lot of people wait till rock bottom or feel this i think sometimes it's almost a tempting god or a testing god of mm-hmm. am i just on my own or you can actually step in and do something mm-hmm. and so there's this like i'm not aware of god actively doing anything so i, I think sometimes there's an insidious like I'm just going to keep doing this, and if God, if you're real, you're gonna, you need to step in and do something because I'm just mm-hmm. sitting here on my own, and you're not actually doing anything. Missing and then that he up stepped and, in and did something on the cross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and missing that he's he's actively he's actively speaking to you through his his body mm-hmm. of of Christians through his mm-hmm. word through the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. through through you know what's happening in your heart. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a danger of of continuing down the path and, and when you see someone truly repent when you when you watch someone go all the way and hit rock bottom hmm. what what they say is um i, I they don't go this far but I, I haven't heard them say this but I, I know it's true is like they didn't think god was doing anything 
until that ultimate moment of rock bottom. And then they look back and say, oh, he was trying to talk to me the whole time. (laughs) And then it took this just shattering of everything for me to finally wake up and notice it. And um, I just think there's, there's something huge there of... Of yeah, just just not be, not playing this weird game with God. Of you're not really doing anything. You're not really doing anything. You're not really doing anything. Oh whoa, you were doing something, but it, mm-hmm. it took me too long to realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's really hard. I mean, that's a supernatural thing to to change your heart and open your eyes to that too. Um, and I think when we come to Christ, I'm trying to think of how to say this the right way. With humility versus pride, confession of sin and turning to Jesus, it's always rock bottom. It's just a matter of how experiential it is, right? Mm. Like, yeah. like even if you haven't, even if you're not literally like crawling around on the floor, you know, in your, your drug-induced, you know, haze of vomit or whatever, even if it's not that gross and, and extreme, it, you know, you're still coming to a place of recognizing that's where you are spiritually. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what it means to be a Christian is to be like, oh, spiritually, I've hit rock bottom. Even if my life is, you know, my life is kind of cool. But the preaching of the word of God, when you recognize your sin and recognize the gift of Jesus, you're you're seeing the truth spiritually, that spiritually you are at rock bottom, even if on the outside people can't tell, you know. Um, So I guess that's the interesting parallel where where there's – it's always rock bottom. It's just sometimes it's physically rock bottom, I guess, it would, would be the way to say it. Yeah. So heed the warnings. Don't play chicken with God. Don't play chicken with God. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wins every time. Just saying. <laughs> that could be a podcast title right there. That should be it. <laughs> That's the one. Sorry, I missed that. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That's a good just way to kidding. not get him to choose it. Choose that one, Joey. Yeah, choose it. That's right. I'll write it down. It's in consideration. <laughs> I thought uh, you you mentioned a random thing we had been talking about, Dave, of mm-hmm. uh, listening. I, I re- <laughs> you mentioned that we had talked about it, and then I wrote it back down for myself. But mm. that, it, that to listen to the voice of God, you have to dial down the other voices you're listening to. Mm. Uh, And that was, that was a conversation we had had that I just, yeah, I've been pondering a lot, which was, we just try, we usually try to just dial up Bible time Mm -hmm. and not dial down anything else, I think is is what I see a lot of us doing. And you had said, I think you had said some statistic about how many hours what was uh, it? How many yeah. hours? That's yeah, where it came out of. 90 hours that? of media the average person ingests while yeah. only doing like, you know, a couple of hours of church and Bible reading. Yeah. And I just think that's uh, that's a, that was another thing I needed to rehear, even though mm-hmm. we talked about that before, which is like, oh, man, like, no matter what it is, just paying mm-hmm. attention to how much you're just, I mean, even I like, I love listening to books. I love listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I just have to be aware of those are voices like mm-hmm. those are voices taking up time those are voices mm-hmm. you know telling me how life works those are voices so what i have to just watch out even even if it seems just um even if it's not necessarily bad it's just it's kind of neutral in its mm-hmm. entertainment value that's still taking away time where i could be actually eating solid meat you know and mm-hmm. really um really being shaped so that's a hard thing for us as modern people i think but 
I don't know. Have y'all ever gone through seasons of, of trying to do that or just, I don't know. That's probably back to the cliche of social media detox or I don't know. Are there ways y'all have tried to dial down the voices and found a good, mm. uh, good help? Yeah. I, um, I love YouTube university. That's what I call it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I spend a lot of time on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I logged myself out of my YouTube app. So every time I clicked on it, I was saw that I was logged out. It reminded me, mm. you, you consume too much other voices. You need to go study God's mm. word and hear what mm. he says. So it worked for me because it was like I wanted to click on it and immediately search or scroll just to find something cool to listen to. But when mm. I saw that screen of me not being logged in, <laughs> You're like, oh, I was yeah. like, well, what is this? And it instantly <laughs> reminded me, like, did the same thing with Facebook. When you're logged out, it's just your profile picture. And it's like, here's a reflection <laughs> of you. You do this all the time. So. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. Do you, do you think we could also run to uh, churchy mm. I, things that we do? You know, like one yeah. more Bible study. You Busyness. Know? Mm. Yeah, we could, we yeah. could be busy doing so-called Christian things, and we're really yeah. not we're really not listening or hearing God's voice. We're participating in a lot of people talking about God. Yeah, my wife was helping with a young women's Bible study, helping a friend. So you know, this was years ago. So a couple of forty-year-old women leading a bunch of I don't know twenty-five-year-old women in Bible study. She was like, it seems like. We're like Bible study number four for these women, and they're just avoiding being with their kids. You know, <laughs> it's like they're just <laughs> jumping from Bible study to Bible study with multiple childcare opportunities to avoid their children. She's like, I don't think this is good to do this Bible study. You know, like okay. I don't think we should do this anymore. And yeah, I, I think that happens to all of us. I mean, that was just one particular experience. Yeah, um, yeah it's. Uh, I think we can all do that. I also have noticed in the. The Bible church movement, reformed movement, Presbyterian movement, kind of all these different evangelical movements that are very Bible text focused. Um, we can do, we can objectify Bible study. So we want to know what it means. And that's like an important step in the process. You have to objectify it to study what it means apart from you to then apply it to you. And often we skip the application. You know what I mean? We like uh, stay away from my heart. Let's just talk about what it objectively means. And I think that's mm-hmm. another danger spot for us where it's like an important thing. You know, we want to study well and we want to be objective and, and learn mm-hmm. what it means objectively. But if we just leave it there, then that's a danger too. Mm-hmm. Well, even, even just attending church, mm-hmm. I think one of the ways I say it is, is the preacher doing all the work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, are you just going and, and turning God's – is is God's word, just background noise. You just, mm. you show up, oh, that preacher guy's going to talk about it for a while, check the box, <laughs> I'm done. And that's mm. hard, man. And uh, like, mm. yeah, and, and it's especially right now, I mean, being honest with people, having true Christian relationships is more and more mm. difficult for all of us, I think, especially mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But also like letting it, letting it pierce you. you know, so even if mm. you're, you know, even if you're just showing up to a service, uh, is it, uh, yeah, yeah, is Dave doing the, all the work? <laughs> is he doing, or, or is it, is it cutting you? Is it, you know, is it doing? Are you letting it, do, God's word, do its work on you? And are you putting an effort to hear and to, to pay attention to what, like those, yeah, that voice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you mm-hmm. listen actively listening, or is it just background noise? 
Well, and then acting, right? If you're actively listening, yeah. then it calls for action. Right. Um, right. And I think I, I wanted to talk about the uh, giving advice part, but I don't think we have time for it. We'll have to save it for another mm. time. Like, okay. what would you say to people who are afraid to give advice? But we're running out of time. We've already kind of mm. talked about rock bottom. So let's make sure we cover them. the third point, grace of complete humiliation. We kind mm-hmm. of already talked about that some. But yeah. um, I guess maybe if we could focus a little bit on sometimes you do need actual physical help mm. or mm-hmm. non-spiritual help. I don't know the right word yeah. for that. But yeah. can we focus on that? So sometimes you hit rock bottom and you actually need to see a doctor too. But that right. doesn't excuse you from repentance, I guess, maybe. Yeah. That little section. Yeah. Can we spend maybe, I don't know, five minutes on that or so? Prodigal son analogy, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's a similar, he's hit rock bottom. Dude needed a meal. He needed a bath, you know, like for real. But don't let that be the end of it. You know, don't don't just be like, that's all I really needed. I just needed a meal and a bath. Like, we've got to let it drive us to our spiritual need. And so I think that's the big concern with mental illness is... The um, there are varieties of strict biblical teaching on mental illness that it's always just repentance and there's no physical component whatsoever. You should never see a psychiatrist that's dangerous. You know, but what I would say is just don't see a psychiatrist that tells you that repentance should have no part of your life. But those are the dangerous psychiatrists. But there are plenty of Christian psychiatrists or integrative psychiatrists or psychiatrists that are open to you pursuing your spiritual growth. And I just, I just want people to understand that we shouldn't use it as an excuse to not repent, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't see these people, you know? And so I think we bounce from one extreme to the other. One extreme is everything's medical or chemical, right? And that's kind of dangerous because then we're not dealing with our spiritual repentance issues. The other extreme is, um, like none of it's that way, you know, like we just, it's all, there's, there's no medical component at all. So, um, I just think we need to avoid the, the extremes. Yeah. I think another aspect you mentioned, Dave, was about, uh, some of your humiliation may come what, by what other people have done to you. Mm, yeah. And it, yeah. Our tendency is to, uh, either suppress what happened, not talk about it, and mm-hmm. try and live, you know, just do it in our own strength, live life in our yeah. own strength. And the humiliation is finally, it comes to fruition when you finally give up doing that. You just, yeah. you, you find out you can't, you just can't, you can't yeah. do it. And I think uh, that's where it started to hit me that this could be a long-term thing. This could be something that you, you know, something happened and you've never admitted what really happened or told God this is what really happened and this is what it cost me. And, yeah. and there will be uh, an uncovering that is shameful and you feel humiliated in that mm-hmm. whole process. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what made you afraid to go there in the first place. Is yeah. you, were, you were afraid of the humiliation. That's really yeah. good. So, so if we've been hurt in the past, right, we think I've just got to deny it or run as far and fast from that as possible because it hurts so bad. But, but often there's more humilia, you know, like more reviewing of that pain needs to happen to really deal with it before God. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated this point because, especially your illustrations, because I think so often we do want to like compartmentalize like different Mm -hmm. things like that happened in our lives, and Mm -hmm. we want to say that it was caused by a specific thing, and the solution for it is only one specific thing. But Mm. I mean, I think in life in general, like often it's a mix of like like Mm -hmm. with this point, especially like how you used your illustration of like, sometimes you need to see a doctor and, mm-hmm. and, but also like you need Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and know, you know, like, yeah, yeah. 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 If I break like, my arm doing something that. stupid, I need to repent of my stupidity and I need to go see a doctor. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Both are real. Yeah. Yeah. Or if someone else breaks my arm, you know, <laughs> I, uh, still, even if, you know, even if it's totally from the outside, right? Disaster happens to me. That's terrible. Or someone hurts me or, you know, someone abuses me. Someone breaks my arm against my will. You know, you still need to get help and you still need to repent. Even if, even if you can't see anything in that situation that you did wrong, we are still sinners that are prideful mm-hmm. that need to repent. So that's what, I was, that's what I was trying to get at. That may not have been your fault and you maybe don't need to repent for that thing. But we still are repenting people. And sometimes the, the projecting of that bad person did all this to me can keep us from seeing our own sin even. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never thought about the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to rush us to an end because we have another meeting very another soon. Meeting. <laughs> well, what was your conclusion then? Is, is there a conclusion uh, page? There is, huh? Yeah, I tried to uh, tie the wording in a little bit. Nebuchadnezzar was grasping, full of himself, exalting himself. Jesus was not grasping, emptied himself, humbled himself. And so just that contrast between Nebuchadnezzar, who was called the king of kings and lord of lords, but the actual king of kings and lord of lords, you know, came down to us, Mm. whereas Nebuchadnezzar was trying to reach up to heaven. So just a cool... uh, cool contrast there of of jesus humbling himself to restore us it's just a it's a beautiful story it's a good story Mm -hmm. Mm. it's the same tower of babel thing huh try to reach the heavens come down Mm. yeah it all yeah it's like it keeps replaying and now i'm thinking even this is a code to help me with all the wacky there's going to be a bunch of wacky apocalyptic vision stuff now as we move forward. A um, couple more, you know, a few more weeks of just narrative type stuff, but it's coming. There's going to be a tidal wave of scary, <laughs> weird visions. And I think that pattern of humanity building themselves up, but God coming down to us is, is going to be a helpful pattern as we look at those visions. Yeah. Do we do a little kid song about, Prayers go up and something comes down. What is oh, that yeah. song? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's funny. What if our prayers go up, up, that one. up? Yes. Yeah. What comes down? Something you comes give down. Give me all I need. That's the one. Yep, yep. yep <laughs> sorry. That's it. I like that song. My brain's always a, a song, so yeah. it's always on random <laughs> shuffle. I think oh, it was the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's that Prayer. Song was the Lord's Prayer. Oh, yep. oh, oh yeah. Mm, Got to do His that. grace yeah. comes down. What is it that comes down? His grace. Love, probably. Love. Love I think down. it's love. It's always love. When it's song, it's love. It's nice. <laughs> nice. Love. I thought the Christ- sermon was awesome. I, I thought like it was Thank you. uh it was so like well put together because like it was mm. 
it went from like bad to worse and then like <laughs> even worse than that yeah. so it was like internal alarms and then smoking warnings and then just complete humiliation like mm. you know well, and, you. and then like like just, like talking about rock bottom and like like you need to listen to the things that are happening like mm. you mm-hmm. don't have to reach rock bottom to mm. like listen to god and like repent Mm-hmm. but sometimes that's what it takes and like yeah. that's okay like he loves you just as much like it's mm-hmm. not that it's gonna change but like mm-hmm. you didn't have to let it go that far yeah and yeah. for nebuchadnezzar it was like the same thing like you asked mm-hmm. so many people the same exact question mm-hmm. and they gave you the same answer but you mm-hmm. didn't want to listen you know mm-hmm. yeah and so it ended up you having to be completely humiliated like mm-hmm. yeah for you to like yeah. change your mind yeah <laughs> I think to to piggyback off of Eunice, I appreciate how there is no opt-out or cop-out that you Mm -hmm. left us with this sermon. Um, Mm -hmm. You started off by telling us, don't look at all these people that you assume are Nebuchadnezzar. Look inside. Mm -hmm. And then you were at verse 17 um, that let us that didn't allow us to opt out with like political affiliations Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. else in the world. Like, hey, God controls these offices. Um, He's he's going to give them to who he will. So mm-hmm. uh, God is in control of everything. Turn to him. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's running the world. He's the one that should be running our life, our hearts. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it was really well constructed mm-hmm. in that way. It's just like, man, okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like a forcibly turned to God way, but without like all the hellfire and brimstone. It was more <laughs> so like, uh, ah, man, uh, the, the chart I think of is Christ-centered life. Um, mm. that chart mm-hmm. the, the chart that's like mm-hmm. yeah the more you become aware of God's holiness the more you become aware of your own sin which mm. leads to repentance turning mm. to Jesus so that's kind of what this sermon reminded me of in a way mm. well I'm going to give you chart. some grace Dave to avoid becoming mm. proud from everyone telling you how good your sermon is well Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been Sunday Recap, and we will see you next week. I thought you were about to just... (laughs) Le- like critique something so this uh, part of the sermon was awful. you mispronounced the word here <laughs>